0: Okay, so just to provide, those as we start, we're not going to answer everything on prayer this evening. Um, We're just going to be looking uh, firstly in our series on why pray. And then as we go through our series, hopefully uh, some of your questions will be answered. Kind of remind you that there are blue slips, uh, tearaway slips on your notice sheets. And if you want to ask questions uh, on a Sunday evening, uh, then we can deal with those questions as well as we go through uh, this series on prayer. So firstly, why a series on prayer well, firstly, everybody sucks at prayer. Uh, I tried this week to find uh, a statistic to sort of show you uh, how much uh, we struggle at prayer, but it's quite hard to find. But I imagine if we did a straw poll amongst Christians that actually, uh, along there with uh, evangelism, we'd probably find that prayer is one of those uh, most difficult things that we do. Uh, and prayer would be probably at the top of our list of things that we could do better But because everybody sucks at prayer, it means that we suck at prayer as well, uh, here in this room. Um, At Bethel, our our prayer meetings are consistently our lowest attended meetings, Uh, though last Thursday was very encouraging. Uh, In our old prayer prayer first days, there were times when uh, Martin sent me along and it was just me, uh, sat in a room by myself. But even at prayer meetings, we all know that experience, don't we, that there can be a room of people, but there's also a significant minority that stay silent. And there's various reasons for that, but it's concerning, isn't it? And I imagine that if we looked at our private prayer life too, we'd find similar things. It's hard to give you statistics and things on our private prayer life, because by definition it's private, isn't it? But why does it matter that we pray? Well, God answers prayers, doesn't he? And he doesn't answer prayers that we don't pray. Sometimes I wonder if our emphasis on the sovereignty of God does us no favours here. We'll see as we go along that actually the sovereignty of God shouldn't discourage us from praying. You know, God will do it anyway. Actually, the sovereignty of God should encourage us uh, to pray because God is listening and God is able uh, to do what we ask. So more of that as we go through this series. But tonight we've just got two questions uh, to answer. The first one is, why pray? Why pray? And we're going to look at that passage in Matthew, so we find it helpful to have it uh, open in front of you. Matthew 7. Um, verses 7 to 11. I'm just going to read to you again verse 11. If then you who are evil um, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? The first reason I want to give us tonight to pray is that God's uh, got a relationship with us, God's relation to us. He is our Father. He's our Father. Do you see that there in verse 11? God is is called our Father. Now, if God were a stranger, you could understand why you might not talk to him. You know, people don't like to talk to strangers. You get told as a child, don't you? Don't talk to strangers. Don't accept sweets or anything like that. But actually, God is not a stranger, is he? He's part of our family. He is our Father. And that's an immense privilege, isn't it? What Jesus says here is actually radically revolutionary, isn't it? God is is not referred to that way in the Old Testament, as the father of, of individual people. But to say that God is your father, just you and me, your average Joe Bloggs, that's huge, isn't it? So our relationship to God is that he is our father. And the first reason is that we get to pray to God. That's an amazing privilege and a reason to pray. We actually get to pray to the God of the universe. The creator and sustainer of everything is our father. We're in relationship with him. Just imagine for a second that a, a woman uh, waltzes up to the White House, you know, drives a car in, parks a car up, and uh, sort of waltzes her way into the White House and grabs Donald Trump and starts telling him what to do. Well, you know who that is, don't you? You've heard this illustration countless times. It's his daughter, isn't it, Ivanka? That's probably, probably slightly true. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we actually have that privilege, don't we? We have the most powerful person in the universe as our father. If you've been watching the news, he's got an even bigger button, even than <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows how to use it as well. His character will come to it in a minute. But God is our father. It's a, it's a privilege for us to pray. We get to pray. That's the first reason uh, why we should pray. The second reason is our relationship to God. Our relationship to God. We are his dependent children. Have a look at uh, verse 9. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? God here, in this illustration, this picture, is the father and we are the children. And that is real, isn't it? That's our real situation. But more than that, the picture that's given is that we're his dependent children. What is it that the child is asking for? It's not something fancy. It's not a sports car or a lavish house. Actually, the son is asking for bread. It's reminiscent, isn't it, of the Lord's Prayer. We ask for our daily bread. That's our relationship to God. So if we're as dependent children, if we need even our daily bread from him, then it means that we need to pray. We need to pray. We don't have the luxury of not praying. We forget that those who don't pray are actually presuming on God's kindness. You see, just because people get their daily bread doesn't mean that it's okay to just live that way and not ask God for him. Uh, for it. After all, it's God's bread that we're getting, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever come across the phrase of twocking. Anyone heard of twocking? Apparently it's a police phrase. Taking without consent. Twocking. That's basically what we're doing, isn't it? If we uh, take God's bread, if you like, take the things that he gives us, we don't ask for them. We're twocking. And we do even worse then, because we don't thank him for them uh, either. So if you think about it, in a way, as we live in God's world without reference to God, we're just running up a huge debt with God, piling up crime after crime. So we need to pray. We need to ask for our daily bread. Now, we are his children. There is some leeway, isn't there? You know, at home, you don't have to go uh, and ask your parents for every single thing from the fridge or the freezer or everything like that. But we mustn't forget the position that we're in before God. We mustn't presume on God's kindness. We need to pray and ask for the things that we need. That's a good reason to pray. We are his dependent children. And then thirdly, the character of God. He is good. Have a look at verse 11. And if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The point here uh, that Jesus is making is that even evil fathers know how to give gifts to their kids. Now, we've just been past Christmas. That's really a case in point, isn't it? Pretty much every father who's involved in their family gives gifts. Even the most cruel father, in a way, knows how to give gifts, even if he doesn't give them very well. But the thing is that if the evil fathers know how to do it, then how much more our father? Our God isn't evil, he's good. So not only can he answer prayer, being the most powerful person in the universe, but he's good. He he wants to answer prayer. We're not coming before a monster, and that should encourage us to pray. As we come before our Father, he's not mean-spirited. I was trying to think of a really good illustration to, to show this, and I thought, well, actually, the whole passage is that illustration, isn't it? That we don't uh, give uh, when our children ask for something like bread. We don't give them a stone or, or something awful. Uh if you uh, know the four Yorkshiremen sketch, uh, you, know the, you know that one where they, they're always trying to outdo each other? And they try and say how hard it was at home. You know, when we got home, our dad would thrash us to sleep with his belt. Uh, and then the next one's, uh, well, our dad would beat us over the head with the neck of a bottle if we were lucky. And it goes on and cut you in half with a knife, uh, knife bread. That's not our father, is it? Our father is not evil. He's not mean spirited. That's not what he's like. He is loving. He is caring. He wants us to pray to him and he wants to answer prayer. That's a wonderful reason to pray. He is good. He's not evil. Fourthly, the invitation of God. Ask. The invitation of God. Ask. Have a look at verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. We're invited by God to come and ask for things. We'd never dream, really, if you think about the God of the universe, would we ever dream of asking him for things? Would he presume to ask a president or a king? But we're invited. Think back to to Donald and Ivanka. You know, she can ask him for anything. We would never dream of just turning up and, and asking someone like that for something. But actually, we're invited. God wants us to come. He tells us. To come. And even more than that, fifthly, the promise of God. Everyone who asks, receives. Have a look at verse 8. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. We are promised by God that if we ask, we will receive. So again, what God is promising is effective prayer. Our time spent in prayer is not wasted. We have to spend that time talking to God, but it's effective time. And if you don't ask, you don't get. But he's sort of saying the opposite of that, isn't he? He's saying if you do ask, you do get. So prayer is not merely a relational exercise. So some people say that prayer is just about our relationship with God. Now, it does build our relationship with God, but it's not just that you know it's not as if God says to us come and talk to me Uh, I won't do anything but it'd be really nice you know like really bad business meeting you know you go to it nothing happens but you get cake no it's all right You, you know get a bit of a chat no God promises to act when we pray and I'm going to explain that a bit more in future weeks how God's sovereignty and and our asking fit together but the promise is there if we ask he will answer do we take him up on it Next, the command of God, he tells us to. Verse 8, sorry, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. It is a promise, isn't it? But it's also a command, we're told to ask. And elsewhere in the Bible, we're commanded to pray, pray always. In 1 Samuel, which we saw in life groups, we looked at this uh, last year, we saw that Samuel said he'd be sinning not to pray uh, for his people. So God tells us to pray. And if nothing else motivates us, then that should motivate us to do it. Because actually, he's our father. He's in charge. He's our king. And when he says jump, then we jump. That's just how it works, isn't it? In one sense, whatever we think of the rest, if God tells us to do something, then that's what we must do. And then lastly in this section, the gift, the gifts of God, good things. The gifts of God, good things. Verse 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God is good and he gives good gifts. Now what we call good and what God calls good might not be the same. In the Bible we read, don't we, that God sends trials as well as treasures. He does them for our good, in that sense they are a good thing. And whenever we pray, God's response will always be a good thing, even if we don't recognise it as a good thing. Even if his answer is no. Now, the goal of our section here is to help us start thinking, why pray? But I thought, while we're looking at this this week, to start us off, I thought we could think about some of the reasons why we don't pray. Now, this section is not supposed to make you feel guilty. It's not supposed to be having a go. But it's the, the classic thing, isn't it, of knowing your enemy. If we know why we don't pray then hopefully we'll get a handle on why we should. So, why not pray? I'm just going to get a drink. That's the problem with 14 points. (laughs) Get to the back of your throat. Okay, so why not pray? There are lots of reasons, aren't there, why we we might not pray. Uh, There are sometimes human reasons, there are sometimes theological reasons. But what I'm going to take us through is that same passage, but looking at it from the other side. So what can uh, stop us from praying? Well, firstly, our doubts. Our doubts. He is not our father. Our doubts. We're prone to doubt, aren't we, as Christians, our special relationship with God. And if we're not assured of our special relationship with him, then it can affect how we pray and whether we pray. We said at the beginning, didn't we, that you don't talk to a stranger. But if it feels like you're talking to a stranger, that can make it really hard. Or if you just feel like you're talking to the air or to yourself, it can be difficult. So our doubts can can hold us back. Uh, But God is our father, isn't he? That's what we've been reading. God is in that special relationship with us. So these are things that we need to tell ourselves when we get into those situations, that God is our father. He is all-powerful, and he is in that special relationship with us, despite our doubts. The second reason why we might not pray is our pride. We are not dependent. Our pride, we are not dependent. That could be either that we don't want to be dependent, or that we forget that we are. We don't want to be, because, well, we're we're self-made men and women, aren't we? We really want it our way. Uh, Really, that just makes us glory thieves, you know, we steal the glory and we try and make out that actually we're doing something that somebody else is doing. I remember my, uh, my dad used to play a trick on me and my sister that he was actually in control of all the traffic lights uh, in the country. And uh, I remember him telling us that he had a special button on his car and he could just press the button and the lights would change. And it took a it took surprisingly long time honestly, as a child to work out what was going on. Of course, he was looking at the other lights when they changed. Uh, we have not, and I never asked him why he never pressed the button earlier. He always seemed to wait, <laughs> and then he would count down. But really, he was trying to say, "I'm really pa-, well." He was pretending, wasn't he? But he's sort of stealing a bit of glory, there, isn't he? He's trying to say, "Oh, look, I'm really important. I can control all the traffic lights." And we're a bit like that, aren't we? We don't like the idea of asking God for things because actually, we like to do things ourselves. We like to get the glory ourselves when things go right. We're glory thieves. But also sometimes we forget, don't we? We forget that actually uh, God uh, is our father and we're dependent on him. So think about all those uh, teenagers living at home. You know, I did the the similar sort of thing, you know, uh, get everything really in the house. You know, all the food that magically appears in the fridge and, you know, all the clothes magically disappear and, and get cleaned. All those amazing things. But actually, it's only when those things are taken away suddenly that you realise that, oh yeah, there is somebody doing this. There is actually somebody who's in control. And I think sometimes we forget that actually we're dependent, that we need those things. And actually, God takes them away sometimes to remind us that we're totally dependent on Him. We're so prone to forget. The third thing is our false view on God. He's not good. Our false view of God, He's not good. Sometimes we forget God's goodness. I think the way it normally shows itself in, in Christians is that we, we feel that we've got to get round God somehow. We've got to sort of turn his arm up or, or put his arm behind his back. Basically, we, we try and bribe him, don't we, sometimes? You know, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. I won't do this sin for a month if, if you'll just do this for me. But the amazing truth of the Bible is that God doesn't need bribing. He wants to answer prayer. He wants to hear us. God doesn't need bribing. He's good. He's our heavenly father. So it's good to do things like uh, not sin or not, not do certain things. But don't think that you're twisting God's arm. Actually, he doesn't need bribing. He is good. The fifth thing, or the no, fourth thing, uh, is our laziness. Our laziness. I'll get round to it. Not to take someone upon an invitation is a bit of an insult, isn't it? We invited our, our neighbours round for coffee about three days after we moved in and uh, about six months in they still haven't come round and then we spoke to them again and said you know hey do you want to come round for a coffee there's only so many times that you can do that aren't there before it gets very very awkward and turning down an invitation actually can can be a little bit difficult can't it from the the person who's who's not getting uh, their invitation replied to why haven't they come round I think it's even worse with social media, you know, when you sort of send things out and people have to reply and there's no replies. But to not take someone up on an invitation, it's an insult, isn't it? God invites us to pray. And yet we find other things to do, don't we? We find other places to go for help. And lots of it is down to just us, isn't it? Uh, Not really turning to God because we just don't get round to it. It's not malicious so much. But we just don't get round to it. And lots of it's down to uh, failing to plan. They say, don't they, that failing to plan is planning to fail. But we're too lazy to get our act together. Now, we don't want to turn prayer into work, do we? We don't want to make it like uh, our work life, especially with the way some of our work lives uh, are. But we don't want to be less diligent in prayer than we are at our work, do we? The reason that people organise things at work is because that's the best way for things to get done. We can organise things in our prayer life, not because we want to make it regimented and uh, and crazy, but actually because we want to get it done. We want to pray to God. So don't be lazy. Fifthly, our disbelief we won't receive. Our disbelief we won't receive. It could be that we think that God lacks the power. Now, some people put that out loud. I've got a quote here from someone uh, who pretty much said that. I'll read it to you. He's a Christian writing about prayer. There is still another law of prayer which we must remember. Prayer moves within natural laws which govern life. And when we think of it, this is a necessity. The character of this world is that it is a dependable world. If the laws that govern it were erratically suspended, it would cease to be in order. It would become a chaos. Suppose a man accidentally fell from the 40th floor window of a New York skyscraper. Suppose him to be a good and devout man and a firm believer in prayer. Suppose him as he passes the 20th floor in his descent to pray, Oh God, stop me from falling. That is a prayer that cannot be answered, according to this guy, Um, because at that moment that man is in the grip of a law of gravity and to suspend, suspend that law would be to put an end, not to his fall, but to the world in general. A very important conclusion follows from this. Prayer does not normally promise to achieve release from some situation. It brings power and endurance to meet and overcome that situation. Sounds all well and good, doesn't it? Except for what, what is power and endurance to endure that situation while you're falling out of a building? <laughs> you know, what does that actually look like? You know, Is God not capable of saving us? Could God not send a wind to blow someone into a... There are ways of doing things, aren't there? Without going, going crazy. But there are people who believe that God doesn't have the power. But most of us actually don't say it out loud, do we? We doubt it because of things that we experience... For example, unanswered prayer. Uh, We had the the song earlier that was written about that sort of experience. And we mentioned in our series in the Psalms, actually the Bible is really quite honest about that experience of not having prayer answered. Well, what is happening? Well, part of the problem is that when we have unanswered prayer, there's not just one reason why our prayers aren't answered. Uh, There could be several things going on uh, at the same time. Um... It could be that uh, we're asking for things that will harm us. Uh, Or it could be that we're asking for things with wrong motives. There are all sorts of reasons. Let me read you a poem that was attributed to a soldier uh, about this. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for help, uh, sorry, for health that I might do greater things. And I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among men most richly blessed. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers because he's got something better in mind for us. Sometimes he hears our our unspoken prayers behind our prayers and answers them. Or it could be that God is going to answer, but he wants us to persevere and trust in prayer. So think about children asking for presents before Christmas. You know, they they really want to have their Lego, or well, that's what our boys are really into, lots of Lego, Lego or games. But actually, they don't realise that actually keeping it till Christmas is the best thing. I think we all agree it's the best thing. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it for Christmas morning. We don't realise actually there's something better coming. And the reason that we're not giving them now (coughs) is for something better. So unanswered prayer, it's hard, it's difficult. And again, we'll come back to it as we go through our series. But it's not a reason not to pray. uh, Because we don't know the reasons behind what's going on. Uh, The next point, our sinful rebellion. I won't obey. Our sinful rebellion. Now, it's unlikely to be deliberate. It's more likely to show ourselves in that we fear something more than we fear God. That will stop us from praying. I think it especially shows itself in praying in public. So as we come to prayer meetings, we fear others, don't we? We fear what uh, others might think. And I think we all get that from time to time. I went down to a, a meeting in London a few weeks ago and there were pastors of really big churches. And the thought just sort of tied through your head. You know, these, these guys, they you know, they've been going at ministry for years and they've got these big churches and... But when we get in those situations, we have to remember that we're not talking to the people around us. We're talking to our Heavenly Father. And in the end, God tells us to pray. So if we have fears, then we need to get over that. We need to um, just remember who it is that we're talking to. And then lastly, our sinful requests. I want bad things. Sinful re- our sinful requests, I want bad things. Let me read to you James 4, uh, verses 2 and 3. You'll find it on the back of your notice sheet. You desire and do not have, so you murder You covet and cannot attain, so you fight and quarrel You do not have because you do not ask You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly To spend it on your passions We see here that it's possible to ask for bad things Or good things with wrong motives So let me give you an example Uh, We might say, for for example, Lord make me rich Now that could be a bad thing for us uh, I heard someone say a couple of days ago that you can tell what God thinks about riches by who he gives them to. Uh, but uh, they can corrupt us, can't they? They can they can make us uh, turn away from God. So it might be a bad thing uh, to pray for. Or it might be a good thing with a bad motive. So, you know, make me rich so that I can spend it all on myself. You know, think of the prodigal son who asked for his inheritance, that he might squander it in wild living. So he can ask for a good thing. It might not be a bad thing to have money. But we might ask for it for the wrong reasons. Or you might want to say, Lord, make me rich and I'll give it all away. That would be a good prayer to pray in a way, wouldn't it? Or it might be a bad prayer because, of course, God knows whether we will or whether we won't. God knows these things better than we do. But sometimes we don't pray because we don't really want what's good for us. We don't pray it because actually our hearts are in the wrong place. And we know that God won't answer it. So actually what we need there is work on our hearts, isn't it? We need God... By his spirit, through his word, to change us so that we want uh, the right things. So I said at the beginning that we suck at prayer. But to paraphrase D.L. Moody, I prefer the way we do pray to the way that we don't. I think that's true for us. God appreciates our efforts. He's not an ogre. He's our loving Heavenly Father. So give it a go. We're going to learn more as we go through um, the series on the hows. But I hope tonight has given us a reason to want to learn more and to want to pray more. So I'm going to finish just with uh, a short time uh, of prayer where we're open to pray. I'll uh, open and then I'll close in a few moments time. But we can thank God for the gift of prayer. We can thank God that he wants to hear our prayer, that he delights to hear our prayer uh, and that he longs to answer our prayers too. So let's let's pray for a few moments. I'll open and then I'll close in a few moments time. (coughs) Father God, thank you for the gift of prayer. Thank you that we can come before you, the Lord of the universe, and bring our requests before you. Thank you that you not only hear us, but you answer our prayers. Thank you that you, uh, Father, have that special relationship with us. And Father, thank you that you are always working for our good. And we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.